Warning, this podcast contains major plot spoilers. I thought you said if we destroyed the brain and die. Worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now. Free. You mean the movie live? Welcome everyone to Flash Rewind, your horror crash course from me, The Tape Fiend. On this podcast, I will choose a horror film from the VHS era and give it to you straight as we discuss it from all angles. I'll tell you everything you need to know with my own personal flair, of course. Since this is episode one, I'll give you the rundown on the template for the episode. So of course, we're going to be discussing the plot of the film in the segment Plot Dump. Then we're going to discuss the characters, the protagonists, the antagonists, the side characters really go in-depth about every character in the film and give you my personal inflection. Then we'll discuss the filmy-type things with, like, pacing, writing, the look, feel, the editing, every nook and cranny of how the film is actually made will be discussed here as well. Then we'll be discussing the special effects and kills of the film, really diving into those nasty, gruesome, slimy effects and all the fun and creative ways the characters die. Then we'll discuss whether or not if the film delivers or not. Does the film work for what it's trying to do? This is not necessarily, is the film a good movie? Because I guarantee you we will be discussing some absolute garbage heaps as we go along. But does the film work at what it's trying to do? Then we're going to take a look at the IMDB rating online and see if I agree with it or not. Then, of course, the closing statements and the end of the episode. Now that you know what's going on, let's get into episode one. Episode one of the Flash Rewind podcast is going to be a bit of a leg stretcher for me because this is my favorite film of all time, and it's something that I could talk about until the end of time, and that is The Return of the Living Dead. I just adore it. I've loved it ever since 2013, which was my freshman year of high school, which means that I've been out of high school for five years now, and that just makes me feel old and decrepit. I remember watching this movie for the first time. I was on a road trip um, down to Massachusetts, and I remember I ripped the movie somewhere online, and I was watching it, and it scared the daylights out of me. It was one of those films that you essentially discover on your own, and then you are just glued to for some odd reason, and then you just find yourself going back to it time and time again. That's this movie for me. For other people, it might be other movies, but for me, Return of the Living Dead, no matter how many times I watch it, I'm always interested to find something new about it. I am incredibly excited to continue this discussion, so let's hop into our first segment, Plot Dump. Frank and Freddy are workers for the Unita Medical Supply Warehouse. Frank is training Freddy, and after telling him a chilling story about dead bodies in the basement, they both venture down the stairs to see a tank containing a long-since passed corpse. The tank, which the U.S. Army shipped to them by mistake, is filled with 245-trioxin, a gas capable of bringing the dead back to life. Frank, in a brilliant showing of bravado, smacks the side of the tank, releasing the gas into the air, bringing a cadaver in the cooler back to life. But that's not all. Everything once dead in the warehouse comes to life including butterflies and even split dogs. They call in their boss, Bert, to help with the escalating issue. Meanwhile, Freddy's gang of punk friends Spider, Scuzz, Trash, Suicide, Tina, Chuck, and Casey are all waiting for him to get off of his ship. They decide to wait in the cemetery for two fucking hours. Bert, Frank, and Freddy discover that no matter 
matter what they do, the cadaver cannot be killed. After piercing its head with a pickaxe and having the head sawed off completely, we learn anything brought to life with the trioxin gas cannot be killed. Any part that is dismembered or removed becomes animate and independent. They are forced to bring the freshly chopped remains to the crematorium. Tina leaves the cemetery and returns to the warehouse to find Freddy. Bert's lifelong friend Ernie is an embalmer at the crematorium, and after a scare with a disembodied arm, agrees to put the remains in the retort. The reanimated pieces burn into ash, but not without filling the air outside with a noxious green smoke that fills the clouds and causes a downpour over the graveyard. The punks, including a naked trash who just got done dancing on a tombstone, are covered in the trioxin-infused rain. They escape, and the rain floods the graveyard. Back at the warehouse, Tina goes down the steps and discovers the trioxin tank that has now been opened. Behind her appears the Tar Man, a disgusting, slimy black zombie that wants to eat her brains. The gang returns to the warehouse and hears Tina's screams. They discover the Tar Man. He bites the head of suicide, killing him. The punks flee and return to the graveyard, which is now completely flooded. The bodies of the dead are rising from their graves, including a bare-bones skeleton. Spider, Tina, and Scuzz escape the attack and go to the crematorium. Chuck and Casey outrun the zombies and go back to Unita, and Trash is surrounded and eaten alive by the newly risen undead. Meanwhile, Frank and Freddy are feeling sick from the gas, showing signs of rigor mortis. Two paramedics are called to assist them. After doing some tests on their vital signs, they discover that they have no pulse and their internal temperature is 70 degrees. Technically, they are now among the living dead. The paramedics go outside and are ambushed by zombies. The punks slam on the door and get inside, telling Ernie and Bert that there are over 100 zombies outside. Ernie goes out to check on the paramedics and finds them dead, having their brains being eaten. Ernie panics and starts boarding up the windows and doors. The new group of Ernie, Bert, Spider, and Scuds all start a mad dash to reinforce all entrances as the dead fight hard to get inside. A break-in occurs, and during the chaos, Scuds is pulled outside by his arm and is chomped on the head by a half-zombie, spraying blood all over the walls. Ernie restrains the half-zombie, tying it to a mortuary table. We learn that the zombies are able to speak and have fluent conversations when he asks why they eat people. The zombie responds with, Not people brains. We learn that eating brains makes the pain of being dead go away. Frank and Freddy's condition is getting much worse and they need to be moved into the chapel. Tina stays with Freddy, but that proves to be a mistake when the trioxin finally takes Freddy over completely, turning him into a brain-hungry zombie. Tina avoids zombie Freddy long enough for the group to return and subdue him. While attempting to board up the door, Ernie breaks his foot. They all manage to get back to the embalming room and lock the steel door. Bert and Spider have no choice but to run outside and fight their way to a cop car and try to retrieve the injured Ernie and Tina. Unfortunately, they are immediately surrounded by zombies and have no choice but to leave. They speed through the graveyard and back on the streets, which now are completely overrun with zombies. Bert and Spider narrowly avoid a horde of zombies before crashing the car outside of Unita. Chuck and Casey let them in, and they attempt to devise a plan. They try to call the police, but they are swallowed up by massive waves of zombies, so now they have no choice but to call the U.S. Army. Only after smashing the tar man's head off with a baseball bat, Bert calls the number and is told that they have a plan to fix the issue. This plan is to launch a nuclear bomb straight at the city to eradicate all the zombies. This seems to solve the problem until we see more smoke causing more rain, thus restarting the zombie uprising. And that's the plot. Now that we know what happens in the film, we are going to break this film down and discuss every bit of it from every angle, picking apart its strengths and weaknesses. First, let's discuss all of the characters in the film. Frank. Frank is a coward, but he's funny. He is prematurely sidelined in my opinion, and I love his chemistry with Bert and Freddy. The most memorable moment with Frank, other than his chilling story in the beginning, is unfortunately when he puts himself in the retort as a zombie 
and burns himself alive. Well, dead. Freddy. Freddy is along for the ride. He is there mostly to exhibit the effects of 245 Trioxin, but he does have some pretty good one-liners, and I absolutely love his fuck you jacket. If you look on the back, it says fuck you. Bert. Bert is my favorite character in this movie. He is quick and witty while also remaining real. He tries so desperately to keep things contained but always fails miserably. He follows the grumpy boss archetype, but it works so well within the context of the film. Whenever I watch this film, I wish that he could have interacted with more of the punks. I just love what he has to say. And the final protagonist is Spider. Now, Spider just barely edges into being a main character in my opinion. He is the most useful of the punks and he survives until the end. He is funny and I am a Miguel Nunez Jr. lover through and through. At one point, he starts panicking and freaking out about the zombies and actually has to get slapped in the face by Ernie, which is a very memorable scene. Now, the antagonist of the film is obviously the zombies. The zombies are a highlight for sure. The fact that they cannot be defeated with conventional weaponry makes them all the more dangerous and frightening. I adore how they are able to talk and develop plans on the fly. The lore surrounding the zombies is also very interesting, with them having a concrete reason why they eat brains. As the film progresses, the zombies become more plentiful and are never truly defeated. When it comes to a zombie film, obviously the antagonist is the zombies. These zombies are very, very unique. Obviously you have the special zombies like the Tar Man and the Half corpse, but the traditional zombie in this film is very effective. A lot of makeup was used and they look fantastic. And I also love that they can talk, asking for more cops to show up or more paramedics. It's very unique and I just adore the zombies, how they're portrayed in this film. All right, side characters. Less descriptive, but we'll cover everybody. Ernie. Ernie is fun and keeps the plot progressing. He has an interesting backstory if you look into it. Ernie is the embalmer at the crematorium. The first scene with Ernie is of him embalming somebody and then pointing a gun at Bert when he surprises him. Very interesting character. Trash for most is the only thing they know about Return of the Living Dead, and that pisses me off. See, Trash has the most famous scene in the film where she strips naked after talking about being eaten alive by old men and then climbs on top of a tomb and starts dancing. To the amazing song, tonight, parentheses, We'll make love till we die. I wish that more people knew more about this movie than just the fucking nudie scene. That irritates the hell out of me. Because whenever you look up the film, all the fan art is of trash. All the new movie posters is of trash. And she even got on the Blu-ray release, but she looks all nasty and decrepit. Like, I wish that more characters other than trash got more attention from the outside world. But Trash does have a resurrection scene where she returns as a zombie, which is pretty sweet, even though it neglects the logic of the film, because if they're eating their brains, why does she come back with a full head? And also, why is she pale white? But it's great to see a, like, <laughs> like a Joker-looking zombie running around. Tina. Tina is Freddy's girlfriend, and essentially she is there to be a relatable good girl character that gets put into danger. That's really what she's here for. She doesn't swear. She says fudge instead of fuck. And she gets attacked by the tar man. Tina is essentially there to cry and to be put in danger. And uh, I mean, she does it well. Suicide, now we're talking. Suicide is the ultimate punk archetype and he is hilarious. He is completely overboard with the profanity and he absolutely looks the part. Covered in leather and chains. When he gets eaten, I am genuinely upset. I wish we had more of him. Suicide is a badass. He, <laughs> 
He's funny, but in a way that he shouldn't be funny. Mark Venturini, man. Woohoo! He has an insane haircut with like an X, like shaved into his head. And every single line he says, like, where the fuck are we going anyway? I ain't sitting here two fucking hours. And my favorite moment. So he's sitting in the graveyard and Trash comes up to him. And he's like, no one understands me, you know that? I fucking bust my ass for you guys and what do I get? You spooky. Man, fuck you. Fuck you all. Like, he's just so... He's got a heart of gold somewhere deep in there. <laughs> Suicide is definitely my favorite of the side characters. If he was a main character, mwah, primo. 12 out of 10. Scuzz. Scuzz is the Mohawk punk. He doesn't really do much in the film. He's just really more fodder for the zombies to eat. Chuck. Now this right here is a nothing character. He is horny, and that's what he offers. Casey. Now this right here is a nothing character. She isn't horny, and that's what she offers. Alright, next segment is the filmy type things, where we're going to look at the film as it was constructed, and criticize it from that standpoint. First, the pacing. Now, the pacing in the film is just great. Having multiple separate storylines with interesting characters makes the film entertaining the entire time. So you have Frank and Freddy having their pandemonium in the warehouse, and then Bert arrives, and then there's that whole separate storyline. Then you have the punks waiting around for Freddy. The storyline with Frank and Freddy moves on to the crematorium, which then affects the punks when it starts to rain, and then eventually, all the characters are brought together at the end in order to have a finale, and... That keeps the entire thing interesting. Very, very well done. The writing. I adore the writing of this film. The storyline is wacky and terrifying. The characters are funny and punky. Having characters that come from completely different walks of life coming together to reach a common goal, even if it's against their will, is done masterfully. Changing up the zombie formula is what makes this film stand out. And that is true. The zombies are what make the film. I love the characters. I love everything about the characters and the writing and the pacing and everything. But the zombies are really what do it. The fact that they eat brains and they tell you and they cannot be killed just makes everything so much more dire. The look, look man, the 80s punk aesthetic has the softest place in my heart. This film is a time capsule of the 80s, the same way The Blob is a time capsule of the 50s. The entire film has that dirty, grimy 80s look. Everything is dank and there's trash all over the place. The cemeteries look haunting, especially when focusing on the weeping angel during the rain scene. If you have not seen this film and you love the 80s, do yourself a favor and scrounge down a copy, find one, I don't care if it's the DVD, VHS, Blu-ray, Laserdisc, Beta, fucking 4K, Ultra HD, just watch it. It's an absolute joy. The feel of the film. This movie just feels fun, with an energetic soundtrack filled with punk rock songs. Check out The Cramps. The song Surfing Dead is... Perfect kooky 80s punk fun. The editing of the film. I mean, the editing is tight. What more can I say? There is one gripe that I have with this film. It's minor, but it's still there. The pitch of the voices of two particular zombies in the film, that being the tar man and the zombie calling for more cops, their tone of voice is like high-pitched for some reason. But it differs between releases. On the VHS version, the voice is different than on the DVD version. And on the VHS version, I'm not sure what the DVD version, the voice of the zombie calling for more cops is different between the end credits and the original film. The zombie's like, send more cops. But in the other version, it's like, send more cops. It's like, 
it's really, really strange, but that's the only thing I've got to say. All right, moving into the next segment, which is special effects and kills. Now, Return of the Living Dead doesn't go totally crazy with special effects, other than great makeup and very realistic-looking blood, but there are two exceptions to the rule, that being the legendary Tar Man and the Half Corpse. These two zombies are incredible. Tar Man is revolting, black and slimy with functioning mechanized eyebrows and an exposed rib cage. The actor inside the suit did a fabulous job making his body bend and contort, making the Tar Man appear to have missing or decayed joints. This monster is famous for a reason, and it's because it's drop-dead classic. Watch the movie and try not to get creeped out. That's all I gotta say. The first unveiling of the Tar Man with that zoomed-in face and those moving eyebrows and the- it's so slimy and brown, it's fucking gross. And the Half Corpse was an amazing use of puppetry. Being operated under the table, it delivers one of the most memorable scenes in the entire film. It's genuinely super creepy and it looks legit. Those piercing blue eyes absolutely creeped me out. The idea of having the zombie be only a torso was such an ingenious idea because it offers more opportunity for grisly special effects. The exposed spinal cord dripping spinal fluid was a very nice touch, Mr. Dan O'Bannon. Moving into the kills. The kills in this movie are nothing seriously special, but they get the damn job done. There are no zombies with machetes hacking people to bits, but you get plenty of bloodshed. Suicide's head gets bitten by the Tar Man, and you get this gruesome close-up, and his head looks like a cake or something. You'll have to watch the movie for yourself, but it genuinely looks like he's biting into some kind of cake. It's effective, somehow. Scuzz gets pulled outside, and his head is bitten by the half-corpse, and the head spurts blood all over the wall. That effect was done with a hose, and it sure looks like it. A fun kill for sure. The paramedics definitely take it out the ass in this movie as well. First we get a shot of the zombie eating his brain and screaming at Ernie for disturbing his lunch. And later when the police arrive, we get some delightful brain matter sitting on the ground. Fun fact, the extras in this film that played zombies were actually paid more money to eat real brains on camera than the other people. Fucking nasty. Next segment, does it deliver? Absolutely, one million percent. I am completely biased in my opinion of this film, but it's my podcast and it's my opinion, goddammit. This movie checks all the boxes and it succeeds with flying colors. If those colors were red, red, and sickly sick green. This movie succeeds at being a horror film, it succeeds at being a comedy, and it succeeds at being an original zombie classic. I couldn't recommend this film more. The next segment, debating IMDb. Now, on IMDb, this film was given a rating of 7.3 out of 10. And that is a crying shame because this movie deserves a 10 out of 10 for me. And I mean that genuinely. It's not a flawless film in any way. But personally, when I grade films, I rank them on entertainment value, obviously production value to an extent, and acting, and pacing, and all that shit, but mostly on entertainment and lasting impressions. And for me, this film is flawless. And that about wraps up the episode. Thank you so much for listening to the first ever episode of the Flash Rewind podcast. Let me know what you think, because it's a new thing, it's a new template, I'm trying out something new, so email me at flashrewindpod at gmail.com if you have any questions, concerns, episode requests, uh, just let me know how I'm doing, and if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a five-star review, and just say something nice in the comments for fuck's sake. Next time, we are going to discuss the sequel to this film in a bit of a trilogy retrospective with Return of the Living Dead, 
part two. Well, folks, until next time, don't slap any unmarked tanks sitting in your basement. We'll see you later. Stupid asshole! Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job!